Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. Well, you know, it's um, really good uh, pointer there from Nicola to be in the, to have the Word of God in the house of God. What a great combination, eh, to have the Word of God in the house of God. And to have this, the Spirit of the Lord as well, you know, breathing upon the Word is tremendous, tremendous thing. And also to be, you know, from those choruses, to be in the presence of a king, you know. I think sometimes we kind of forget that, don't we? This mighty King Jesus, how nothing can stand in his way. You know, this king has eyes like burning fire that can look straight into your heart this morning and look straight into my heart. Whether you're pastors, preachers, uh, you know, butchers, bakers, or candlestick makers, the Lord Jesus Christ can see straight into your heart. I can't see into your heart, but his eyes are blazing fire. Now, sometimes we forget that, you know, and um, it's great to see this younger generation, you know, getting taught about King Jesus at a young age and learning about this mighty king. And this king's no respecter of persons. He's interested in every single one of us, whether you're a wee one, a middle one, or an older one, or a taller one. He's interested in your life, and he, you know, he sees right into your heart. He, he knows that deepest longing of your heart this morning. That's kind of the theme we're on today. It's about uh, blessed are the pure in heart in Matthew 5, for they shall see God. They shall see God. And... Um, you know, it's a wonderful thing. And, you know, I was just thinking about uh, this king, and a verse kind of flooded into my head as we were worshiping. And we sang that chorus then after it about the mountains moving. So I kind of thought, well, that must be the Spirit of God, because the verse the Holy Spirit put into my, my head was, Oh, that you would rent the heavens and come down, that the mountains would flee at your presence, that it would melt in your presence, and that you would do things, you know, if I paraphrase it, the Lord would do things which we didn't expect or didn't think of. And this is the sort of king we have, this King Jesus. He could meet your deepest need uh, today. He can meet that need, and, you know, he's here to, to purify us. He's a purifier of the sons of Levi. He will puri- the, the process is that we're becoming more like Jesus and he is purifying us, whether you're pastors, preachers, Sunday school teachers, whatever you are as Christians, he is, he, is, he is dealing with you in your life, and he's purifying you, and that's wonderful. He's changing you into his image. He's making like him, and that's what this is about, uh, this Sermon on the Mount, and so we have in uh, Matthew 5 here, um, we've been looking at this, so let's just have a quick word of prayer. Our God and our Father, we acknowledge the presence of King Jesus this morning, and as we open the Word, O oh God, we fall down before your throne, as it were, in the house of God, with the Word of the Lord and the house of the Lord. And we fall down, Lord, because we know that your church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. And so, Lord, we fall down in your presence and we acknowledge your kingship. The king is glorious, but the king's daughter is all glorious within because she's your bride. And we just praise you, Lord. We acknowledge your presence. And we pray, Lord, that you would come in your royal authority and with your scepter. 
and just stretch that steps out and just, Lord, just speak the word, Lord. Speak the word as King Jesus. Speak the word into our lives and into our hearts in Jesus' name. And just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, we pray that your Holy Spirit will open our hearts to receive the word. And I just confess, Lord, that uh, who is sufficient for these things? I pray that you will take my feeble effort this morning and Lord, like the wee boy who handed you the, the, the loaves and the fishes, Lord, I hand you this bit of paper and I just pray that you will multiply it and feed the 5,000 with it, so to speak. Oh God, just come and take it and use it for your own glory. And I just pray, Lord, that you will increase and that I will decrease, that nothing, Lord, I empty myself of everything that's of the flesh. I empty myself of everything that's not of you. And I just pray, Lord, that as we sang in that chorus, that, Lord, you will come and have your own way in my life and in the lives of these people. Lord, I thank you for every Christian that's here, a miracle of grace. And I pray, Lord, that you would pour your word and your spirit into their life and that a rich anointing would fall upon each one here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So kind of thinking in that theme, we have Matthew's gospel. Matthew's gospel is Jesus as king. That's the theme of Matthew's gospel, King Jesus. That's what it's all about. And there had been, you know, a period between the Old and New Testaments of 400 years when there had been a silence. But God's prophecies through the prophets and through the Old Testament that the Messiah would come uh, we're going to be fulfilled because God's true to His Word. And I want to tell you this morning that whatever God speaks to you, and there's so many different people here, and the Holy Spirit will take the Word of God and speak to you in so many different ways. The Holy Spirit can take the Word of God and speak to you in about a hundred different ways in that still small voice. But whatever God says to you, though, God, you take note of what God says to you because God's words are fulfilled. God speaks the truth. Everything God says He's going to do, He's going to do. And so during that period of 400 years, we had the, the sects of the, um, kind of the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were set up, and uh, these kind of religious people, and the, the Pharisees were, were, were based on traditions and legalism, and they thought that the entering the kingdom would come through the traditions of the past, and the Sadducees were more like uh, philosophers who were modernists, and Jesus was, this is a group of people he was speaking to, and they were more believing in the present. So the Pharisees were focusing on the past, the Sadducees were focusing on the present, on present philosophy. The Essenes were kind of monastic uh, groups of religious leaders that lived in the desert and kind of isolated themselves from everyone. And the Zealots were the people who were trying to overthrow Rome. So all these people had a different view of kingdom. And guess what? They were man's view of kingdom and they were all wrong. They were all wrong. I want you to let the Holy Spirit of God change your mindset. As you get into the Bible, get God's view of kingdom. Get God's view of life. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. We're in a church age where we are in compromise. We are, we've lost the idea of separation, light and darkness. We've lost the idea of, of holiness and purity. And that's what this verse is about. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And, and, and preachers are guilty of the same. We've lost this idea of separation, of purity, of holiness. You know, Aaron had, a, had a, a band and he went into the presence of the Lord and it said holiness unto the Lord. That should be impregnated on your life and mine. On your life and mine. Holiness unto the Lord. Every moment of every day. And I think we've kind of lost sight. And I preach to myself. I'm preaching this sermon to myself before I preach it to you. Holiness unto the Lord. So we come in in, in, in Matthew here in, in, in chapter 5. 
And we've got in, in just the, the, the preliminary verses, he went up into the mountain and he set, and the disciples came unto him. And so Jesus is set up on this mountain as the king. He's on this elevated position. So the Holy Spirit is trying to show us uh, here that he's the king. So he's put him up on a mountain to speak with us. And he's speaking to us this morning through his spirit, through his word as King Jesus. So don't focus on me and don't focus so much on my words, but think about what the Spirit of God is saying to you and what the Word of God is saying to you. And, and Jesus opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for there is the kingdom of heaven. So we've looked at that, emptying ourselves before God. There's kind of a divine order here. And the reason I'm homing into some of these verses before is it sets the scene. We have to become poor in spirit. That's the first one. You have to empty yourself before God. You have to humble yourself before God. And all these beatitudes are the way that you and I should be living the Christian life. We shouldn't be showing one beatitude and somebody else showing another one. This should characterize our life, every single one. That's the standard, and that's, I think that's the standard we've forgotten. If we were to live, the challenge for you is to go home and meditate on these beatitudes in this Sermon on the Mount and say, I want to live this out. And if you live this out, you will be blessed you will be blessed. You know, everybody wants happiness. People are crying out for happiness in the world, but kind of looking in all the wrong places. Christians are crying out in certain situations. You're here today, and some of you are unhappy about certain things. Some of you are sad about certain things. Well, I want to tell you that God, the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of Christ and God can bring happiness into your situation. Even difficult situations, he can bring happiness. And so, become poor in spirit means to empty yourself of self, to get down on your knees before God, and to cry out like a beggar. It's like, like a beggar with a beggar bowl, begging bowl every day, crying out to the King to fill you, to fill you with His fullness, to fill you with His Word, to fill you with His power, to use you. It's this dependency that we need to get away from the flesh, and down on our knees, and petitioning the king. Petition the king. You know, like Esther. Remember Esther went into the presence of the king, and he handed out the scepter to her. If you petition the king with that, you've got an issues just now. You've got loads of issues. I've got issues. Get down on your knees and petition the king. And you know what? Because of his grace, because he loves you, you need to know today that God and Christ loves you with an everlasting love. It's not a human love. It's a divine love. It's the love of this almighty king, and he's, he's power to sustain that love. It never fails. It's unconditional. It's every moment of every day. And you need to know that whatever your problem is, that he can, he can, hand out, he can respond in grace, respond in mercy, respond in love. So, um, you know, becoming poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn for they should be comforted. You know, we could spend a lot of time in all of these, and it's, it's, it's hard for me to skip over them, but I need to for the sake of time, because I'm watching that timer, and I'm not used to a timer, but hallelujah, God knows. So here we go. Blessed are those who mourn for this. So you have to get into spirit. Then the next one is poor in spirit, then sadness. Sadness over what? Your own sinfulness before God. You need to realize that our hearts are still plagued with stuff. Our hearts are still full of issues. You know, we're not, we're not walking perfectly. One day, one day, you know, we will, we will be like Christ. But on this side of things, we are working that process out with fear and trembling. So there are issues. So we need to get into, you know, so what, what the Bible's saying here is that the secret of happiness is to first of all become unhappy. And you say, why, that's really weird. But the secret of happiness is first of all to become sad. Isn't that a credible thought? 
And that's why we find happiness difficult, because we need to get into this, because happiness is holiness. And, and this is where the devil spins a lie, because the devil says, if you live a holy life, God's a killjoy, you're going to lose out in fun. If I'm speaking to younger people, I'm speaking to different generations here, but there's a younger generation, and you know, don't let the, don't let the devil speak into your life and say, you know, that, yeah, you can come to church on a Sunday, but you know, God's a killjoy the rest of the week, and you know, don't, don't feel, don't feel that, that, that that's a lie that he spins. Because what God wants for your life is in all generations, our life and yours, He wants you to be holy. He wants you to lay a holy life. And you think, you're automatically thinking, but that's, that's a bit dull. You know, because the enemy is already telling you that's dull. The enemy is already telling you that's boring. The, the, the enemy is already telling you you're not going to have any friends. He's already, but he's been telling lies for a long time. Let, let the Word of God speak to you. Don't, don't listen to that voice in your head that, tell, that drives you into these places. Let the Word of God direct you. And if you, if you commit to this sort of teaching on the Sermon on the Mount and commit to this sort of holiness, you will know happiness and joy that you've never known. I believe that. I believe that on the authority, not because that's my idea, not because it's my philosophy. I believe that on the authority of God's Word because it's God's Word. It's not my ideas. I'm, I'm expounding what's there. I don't preach my opinions, because if I preach my opinions, I'm going to have 20 people on the surface disagreeing with me, or not letting me out the door. So I don't preach opinions. I'm not going to preach opinion. I'm going to just try and expound what's there. So let's say there's a, there's a progression, and then blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So this idea of meekness and gentleness, and then blessed are they which the hunger and thirst after righteousness. So once you've emptied yourself and you've gone through this, this sequence that's here, which is an amazing sequence, once you've emptied yourself and you're on your knees, that's when you get filled. Don't try and fill yourself before you've emptied yourself, Okay. Take the order, empty yourself of all self, of all sinfulness, repentance, mourning over sin, all that sort of stuff. Get down before God. God knows it all anyway. Just pour out your heart to Him. You don't have to tell me, and I don't have to tell you, but get before God. And when you've emptied yourself of that, you'll know a feeling that you haven't known and meditate in the Word of God, and you'll know a sweetness in communion with the Lord that you haven't known because you've maybe not done that yet. Blessed in the and once you've done that, once you realize how God deals with your inadequacy and that your sinfulness and that your unholiness, you're then merciful to other people. You're merciful to other people then because you're now in that spiritual condition that you can show mercy, you can show compassion, you can show kindness. There's a progression here. And so we come to the verse I'm meant to be preaching on, and my timer's at 15, 16 minutes. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is an a, a, absolutely a, a amazing verse. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And you think, you know, this is really the most, to me, the, most, the, the center point of these Beatitudes. This is the most crucial verse to me because ultimately we were singing in that chorus about um, the chasm you know, the anastasis one about the chasm and the cross or whatever. We were singing in that chorus about uh, how, you know, my, my eyes will be transfixed on Jesus' gaze, you know, and that, that, that's, our, that's our destiny. That's, we're looking at Jesus now by faith, but we're on a journey into glory, okay? And then we're on a journey probably back into a new heaven and a new earth which is a final eternal state through all the unfolding, all the events that happen in the book of Revelation. So you and I are then brought back 
with Jesus, to reign with this king. What a, this, is, this is our journey. This is our journey. So, you know, um, so it's an amazing thought. So, really, the pure in heart, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So, it seems to me that seeing God is, 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 the, is the thing, okay? Now, the wonderful thing is that the wonderful thing is that by the Holy Spirit of God this morning, when you read the Word of God, you can see God just now with the eye of faith and with your heart and with an understanding of the Word. You can see something of God. You can see something of God in the people around about you. You can see something of God in nature, in revelation, whether it's thunder and lightning or the, the starry sky on a winter's night, or you walk through you know, a nature trail and see the colored flowers, or you look at lovely lakes or mountains, uh, but you can see God in creation. You can see God in natural revelation. You can see God in people's lives. You can see God at work in the church because this is you know, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And, you know, you can see God to a certain extent, but you're looking through a glass darkly, remember. You're looking through a glass darkly. And it's a bit like, you know, when I was um, driving up the M6 there a few weeks ago, we did an 11-hour journey from Poole, and we just came up on the one hour, and you're driving up the motor when you come to the certain cities, like you hit Birmingham, but fortunately you kind of bypass all these cities. But as you come towards the city, you know, to Birmingham, or to, if it's London, it was Birmingham in my case, or Glasgow, you'll be aware when you're driving, when you're in the car, that suddenly the level of traffic increases, okay? And you suddenly realize you're coming towards the hub of a busy city. So there's activity around about you that increases. Or if you're driving at night, you'll see more lights, won't you? You'll say, oh, we must be coming to a big city because there's lots of lights and activity and stuff. Well, this is what it's like just now. We're on the fringe of this wonderful city, the New Jerusalem, and we're aware of heavenly activity. And this heavenly activity, the Holy Spirit's in operation this morning. The Spirit of God's doing stuff. God's doing stuff. And we're aware of spiritual activity to a certain extent, but we're just on the fringe of it. Isn't that exciting? But you're moving. I want to tell you that you're moving in a journey towards the hub isn't that exciting? You're moving towards that hub, and nothing's going to prevent you getting it because the Spirit of God is drawing you in. God is moving you. He's moving you into that hub, right into the very heart of the King. That's incredible. And this Beatitudes brings us into the heart of the King. This is what it's about. So you, you, I, I can't really deal with this in 12 minutes. I can't really deal with this in half an hour. So in your own time, you go back and start meditating on these and praying them through. Lord, how can I put this into operation in my life? And you'll know a release in your spirit. It's amazing. So uh, in the last time, we've got 11 minutes here. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I thought about this first, and I thought, I thought of blessed one pure in heart, two, see God, three, three kind of stages. And I thought of blessing, you know, God's always been, God's always been blessing people. I thought, you know, you're here today, I want to tell you, so I believe in my heart, I, I sense the Holy Spirit, I sense a different, I don't know about you, but I sensed a different anointing this morning, a sweet anointing, just a different anointing. And uh, I believe God's here to bless each one of you today. I, I believe I'd confidently say that. And why do I say that? Because of this, because God blessed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, didn't he? Go forth and multiply and have this garden and commune with me. And they were blessed. 
And they believed the lie, they believed the devil, and yes, there was a consequence. But then God wasn't taken by surprise because immediately it says, the seed of the woman will bruise the serpent's head and the king will come, the Messiah will come. There and then, God had the plan of salvation. And isn't that wonderful that then God blessed Abraham, came and he blessed Abraham and he made him a nation and he gave him livestock and he gave him people and he gave him wealth, material stuff, but he gave him spiritual promises and spiritual blessings. And then Isaac got him and passed him on to Jacob. And then Jacob got him, and Jacob was blessed. See, God's here to bless. God's here to bless this church. God's here to bless this city. God's here to bless this nation. We need to believe that. We need to embrace that. Why? Because his nature has not changed. It's within the nature of God to bless. And if you're here today, and you're out with that blessing, and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you don't know this king, you need to make that decision now, because this king cannot be messed with. He's too powerful. He's sovereign. Nothing stands in his way. And if you, if, if you don't receive receive him as Lord and Savior, repenting of your sin and asking him to save you, then you will meet him as your judge in eternity. That's the message of the Bible. That's not my words. That's God's word. This king, you're either saved or lost. You're either in Christ or out of Christ. You either place allegiance to this king or you don't. You either serve this king or you don't. It's as straightforward as that. That's what the Bible teaches. So today, if you want to, you need to make, if you don't know Christ, and let the Spirit of God challenge you, and you don't know Christ, then, you know, he, he's, done, he's able to save you. He's powerful and, and able to save you. So blessed. So then Jacob got the blessing. I remember Jacob, Jacob landed, uh, you know, he, he ran away from home, and he, he got to sleep one night on a rock, and uh, on, a, on a stone, and then he got visions of God, and the ladder came down, and he said, how awful, how dreadful is this place? How, dre this, this, how dreadful is this place? How awesome is this place? This is the gate of God, the gateway of God. This is the house of God, and he called the name Bethel, and Nicola referred to that, that we emphasis on the house of God. That was a wee pointer for me the house of God. This is significant today. This is a gateway. This is a, a channel to that hub, that new Jerusalem. There's, a, there's, a, there's communication between here, and, and that's, how, that's why you're, you're going to be blessed here. That's why you're blessed in the Word of God. And so, Jacob had that incredible thing. So, then, then David was blessed, and then um, this, this blessing, you know, kind of um, kind of uh, went through, you know, all, all God's people right up to this very, um, the old of the Old Testament, and then it comes to uh, Jesus here, and he's, he's got blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, incidentally, you know, for, for, for your information, um, the Old Testament, when man fell, that produced a curse in Genesis 3. It produced a curse, and in the end of the Bible, in the book of Malachi, the last verse in the book of Malachi talks about a curse. So the whole of your Old Testament uh, could not solve the problem of, could not bring salvation. All it brought was the condemnation of God. The religious system, the sacrificial system could not save anyone. And so the whole of the Old Testament efforts uh, really comes on, on the curse, despite the fact God is working out His purpose as well all the way through. When Jesus comes in the New Testament, He talks about blessing, 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 blessing. And that's for each one of you. I just see a multiple, all oh, that God would, you know, multiply a hundred thousand million blessings upon you this day, because that's His nature. That, that, that's His nature. So, you know, it's interesting, there was a time in, there was a time in the Old Testament when, um, uh, 
Balak, the Moabite king, said to a false prophet called Balaam, I'm sorry, a prophet called Balaam, and you probably know the story, he says, I want you to go and curse the people of God. And this is in Numbers 23 and 24. And when he stood up to give his utterance, all he could do was bless them. All he could do was bless them. And so he moved to a different spot, and he still blessed them. And he moved to another spot, and he still blessed them. I want you to know this day, whatever you're going through, trials, temptations, difficulties, you might be crying out in despair. In your situation, irrespective of how you feel, I want to tell you in the authority of the Word of God, you are blessed. You're blessed, and you might be, you might have big issues and problems, and then, but you, um, you know, God can deal with that. God knows exactly where you're at. This king, nothing, nothing, that the king's eye misses nothing. He misses nothing. Remember the, the man that tried to get into the wedding, the, 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 the wedding banquet, and he didn't have a garment on, and the king says, what are you trying to do? You don't have the wedding garment on. Because he was trying to, he was trying to get in amongst God's people, trying to get in amongst the saved, but he didn't have the the garment of salvation. He didn't have Christ. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here today, and you you you're you're not you know you've never received Christ. You're not a child of God, but you're here, and I I don't know you, and I don't know that's your spiritual condition. I don't know that's your heart condition, but King Jesus does. King Jesus, his eyes are burning fire in Revelation 1. He looks straight into every heart. He misses nothing. And he knows that you're in his presence today and you don't serve him and you don't know him, but he loves you. He loves you. He died for you. And he wants you to receive him as king, to recognize him as king and to receive him as, as king. So blessed blessed. And then the pure in heart. You know, Jacob at Peniel, uh, pure in heart talks about, um, you know, so that's blessed. Pure in heart talks about our struggle with sin, our struggle with sin and purity of life. And it's very important that we live pure life. And God wants, you know, when you, if you were to go and buy, buy some, a gold ring or something or a diamond ring, I guess, you know, you would want to know, you would be asking a jeweler because you're not a jeweler. And you kind of say, well, what's the purity of this gold? What's the purity of this diamond? Or people that, people that, people that like a, a nice wine or whatever take a, a wine, of, they call a wine on the lees or a wine off the dregs that's more pure. And there's a purity in the wine or a purity in the, the gold or a purity in the diamond. So, so you want the best purity, don't you, if you're going to buy something or a gift or something. You want to know how genuine it is. You want to know how pure it is. So why with our salvation do we not have the same logic? Why don't we have the same condition with regard to Christianity? Why, why do we come before God and say, you know, I know really my life's not pure in that area. I know my life's not pure in that one area or that other area, but it doesn't really matter. It does matter. It does matter. It does matter. Because God wants your purity to become like Christ. You know, he's, he's changing you in to become like Christ. So you can either, I can either, you can either work with that process because God's doing it anyway or you can work against that process. If you work against that process and rebel, the Lord has ways of bringing you back because He loves you. But you know, it's, it's better to work with God, work with the process, and allow the Spirit of God 
to refine you. And Jacob, Jacob at Peniel, he wrestled with the angel, and the angel had to touch, remember, the socket of his thigh, and his flesh shrank. And Jacob, what did Jacob say? You know, he said, let me go. He says, I will not, I will not let you go until you what? Bless me. Isn't that great? The very theme of this passage, blessing, 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 because Jacob knew, now look at Jacob's character. Jacob knew what he was like. He was a deceiver. He was a sinner. He was a trickster. God knows all your faults. Don't get hung up about them. God knows all my faults. I have to say to myself, Mark, accept where you're at just now, but just go God's way and allow him to make you holy. But don't dwell on your issues. You could be dwelling on your issues your whole life and not making any progress. Wrestle with God in prayer and he will, he, will, he will bless you as you wrestle in prayer over these things. But don't give up. Wrestle with God in prayer. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Revelation chapter 5, there's a throne, and there's a lamb on the throne, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, there's God on the throne, there's a lamb on the throne, and God's hand in the book, which is the Revelation 5, the title deeds of the earth. And John says, no one was found worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof. So all the weeping and all the tears from the past and all the hopes of God's people, and no one is found worthy to open this book, which is the title deeds for the earth, which brings the earth back from under satanic control to the control of Christ. And so the whole, all the saints are there, and the, and the glorified saints in Revelation 5, the spirits of just men made perfect. And, and there's so much weeping and there's so much sadness because all the hopes of God's people are not going to be resolved because no one's found worthy to take that book out of the hand of God. And God's offering the book out of the throne and no one's worthy. But surely the apostle Paul is worthy. Surely Daniel's there worthy. Surely David will step forward and do it. Surely, surely Abraham will step forward and do it. All these great men of God that you and I look at in the scripture and say, wow, they're great. And I'm not so, they all failed. Like you and I, they all fail, but they're there. Revelation 5, and you're there in Revelation 5, and you will see this scene. You will see God in a full sense. That's an encouraging thing. You seem through a glass darkly just now, but you will see God in a full sense. That's exciting. Thing. So keep on that journey into the hub of the city because you're going to see God in a full way, in a full way. And so then, then he steps forward, the, 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 Lord, the line of the tribe of Judah, the Lord Jesus Christ. You think, you know, would some angel, would Michael not step forward? He's quite powerful, Michael. Surely he can come get in, and deal with the devil and say, I've got the title deeds of the earth now. I'm coming to make it happen. Did Michael step forward? There's silence in heaven. Nobody can come forward, but one will come forward, and he's the Savior. He's the King that you and I trust in, and we've entrusted our life to, and we've embraced this King Jesus, this Almighty King. And I want to tell you, Revelation 5, that he steps forward, and you're going to see it. You're going to see it. You're there, looking at him stepping forward, and he takes the title deeds uh, out of the hand of God, and he unleashes the judgments of God upon the world for rejecting Christ, and he also, also the promises of God and the redemption of God's people are finally completed. And as he said on the cross, it is finished. And I say in this sermon, because that's time, it is finished by the Holy Spirit.